We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Get it to Andy DeCoupo. Firing up for the win. Won't get it. The Suns hang on. And take the one-point victory. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam, as always. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Uh, the best win of the season so far for the Phoenix Suns. There's there's really no other way to put it. 15-9, and nine, a, a just crazy game all around to beat this Milwaukee team. I don't know about you, but I was not feeling very confident after the, <laughs> uh, after the first half, going up against a team that just continued to blitz us with yeah. threes, shot I think like 54% from deep going into going into the second half and they prevailed. So, I mean, yeah, we, we could have a lot to talk about tonight. I'm sure people have a lot of questions. I'm, I'm ready to get into anything basically. Yeah. It's funny. Cause, uh, there's part of me that always thinks when a team comes out and just puts a bunch of threes on you early in the game like that, uh, I sometimes think, Oh, well they can't continue doing this forever. But as a Suns fan, it feels like when teams do that, they do continue to do that forever. Like it never feels like it ends. It just feels like time and time again, they just continue to hit threes after three after three. But in this game, it caught up to them. They started missing some three pointers. They started missing some free throws uh, at some point in that game. And that helped us out a lot uh, in this game. By the way, Sam, we're already getting a bunch of comments in the stream. Thank you everybody for watching live, by the way, on YouTube. We're going to put this out as a podcast tomorrow too. For those uh, watching live, check out our podcast. If you've never listened to it, find it on a podcast app. For those listening on the podcast stream, uh, you can follow us on YouTube too. We're, t- we're taking questions live. Uh, but a lot of people, Sam, are talking about Bridges Law. 
<laughs> you, you might have something there. Yeah, so uh, talked about it on our podcast episode that released just two days ago. Um, he hit his first three of the night tonight. It was like, what, two minutes into the game, Mike? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I think I think one of my Twitter buddies, one of our Twitter buddies, Zinn, or, or I already forget who it was, but was joking that there was never any reason to worry after he hit that shot. I don't know what Suns fans were so nervous for all game. Yeah. Because the Suns are now 9-1 and one when Mikhail Bridges hits his first three-point attempt of the game. So you know if it's going in, there's a really good chance that, uh, that they're going to come away with the win. Yeah, yeah, some people are saying, no, it's uh, Frank's law now. Uh, let's see. First question from somebody. We're taking questions from you guys in the chat. Feel free to shout them all out. It'll be difficult for us to keep up with all the questions that we're, uh, getting at here, but, uh, we'll try to get it to as many as possible. First question, are Suns fans ready to take back everything they said about the Frank Kaminsky signing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, vindicated again, another good game by Frank Kaminsky. Seriously. Another good game. I, I mean, I got it right here in the box score, 14, eight and eight. Now look, it's always going to be, in some sense, the quintessential Frank Kaminsky experience, right? Mm -hmm. Late in the fourth quarter, the Suns needed uh, buckets and they needed stops. And like he had a couple of blown layups. You, you know, it's it's Frank Kaminsky. He's going to do that sometimes. But 14, 8 and 8, only two turnovers. This is exactly why he's in the lineup. Um, obviously, tonight also, it, it just made a lot of sense for Frank to, to do that Lopez matchup. I would still like, as well as Frank Kaminsky's playing, I would still like Jay Crowder to to go back into the starting lineup. I think he's just too talented to, to leave him on the bench. But Frank, uh, he, he's going to keep this role for a while, man. I mean, he's going to keep getting minutes. I think Dario Sarge is still a little ways off. Uh, so he, he's been fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Monty, I thought, did a really good job in this game. Obviously struggled to stop the three-pointers. The Suns struggled to stop the three-pointers in that first half. But it's hard to blame a team entirely for that because it just that's just something that happens. When teams make three-pointers, it's difficult to stop them. Uh, but I did think it was interesting that the game ended with Jay Crowder. By the way, I hope Jay Crowder's okay. Uh, it yeah. seemed like Lopez landed on his knee. It didn't seem like it bent badly. It seemed like it was more about it getting smashed and driven into the ground, which is obviously still very painful. But uh, I get a little more nervous when a knee bends the way that they shouldn't bend, which is sideways or backwards. <laughs> so I, I thought in this case, maybe it, it, he seems to be okay. But Jay Crowder ended the game, ended with 14 rebounds, by the way, an insane game for Jay Crowder. But I thought that was the right decision. At some point in the game, you have to trust the veterans. And Jay Crowder had two insanely important plays in this game. Multiple steals in that fourth quarter, pulled the chair out on one very important play, the ball dribbled out. The Suns were able to steal it and uh, and take it down the court. Uh, somebody's asking, Pure Toxics says, do you think Frank starting uh, over Crowder and Cam is a good idea? And if so, why over those guys? I think long-term, uh, we talked about it before, I think long-term Jay yeah. Crowder is the right uh, fit still. You know, actually, I think the next game is against Philadelphia on Saturday. That might be a good game to start him to play uh, against that team. Uh, there's... You know, they have Ben Simmons, they have Joel Embiid, but they also have Tobias Harris. You know, you have, you can put Mikhail Bridges on one of those guys, Tobias Harris or Ben Simmons, and you can put Jay Crowder on one of the other guys, obviously Aiton with Embiid. But what do you think, Sam? I mean, the other thing about Frank, right, is we know he has hot streaks and cold streaks. And when he frustrated Suns fans last year, it was because he was shooting often like 32, 33% from deep. Tonight, he went two for four. Um, he's shooting closer to 40% this year. Obviously, you know, I, I hope that continues. It's just all I'm saying is it's a lot easier to like the Frank Kaminsky experience when he's actually behaving like a stretch for that people think he is. 
Uh, when he's doing all the other stuff, finding cutters and, and dribbling and trying to be aggressive and get to the free throw line, that's all important too, and it plays its own role. Um, but definitely, I mean, look, it helps that the Suns here shot 15 for 31 from deep. They just yeah. executed flawlessly. And, and really, it's the first game all season, 30 points from Devin Booker, 28 from Chris Paul, 17 from Aiton, who didn't even really do anything after the first quarter, um, and, and 15 from Mikhail Bridges. The entire starting lineup played well. And we've been saying all season long, Mike, when are CP3 and Booker finally going to have a good game on the same night? Well, we finally saw it tonight. Mm -hmm. And the result is that they can go toe-to-toe with any contender. That doesn't mean they can beat any contender in a seven-game series, but they catch a contender on a bit of an off night. This wasn't even an off night for Milwaukee. Um, At their best, they can go toe-to-toe with the best. And that's it's just so encouraging to see after tonight. Yeah, and a question related to that, Dustin Blowers, uh, sorry, by the way, sorry if I pronounce any names wrong here, uh, but Dustin, thank you for asking this question because it's something that Sam and I actually talked about uh, before we started recording that we wanted to talk about this. He said, how do you guys feel about Monty going heavy on an eight-man lineup? Seems like he's been yep. using primarily just eight guys since Book has been back. We noticed that as well. I think that... I think- so much about this game, by the way, is is I think you can point at as maybe this is how Monty's going to look in the playoffs. Uh, a couple things, and Sam, I'll let you talk about the lineup, but a couple things that I noticed early in this game were schematic things that were specific to this game that were not things that I necessarily saw the Suns doing on a regular basis before today. They found specific ways to attack. The Bucks play this really heavy paint protection scheme well, where they will sell out on three-point shooters and allow you to to shoot threes, basically, and their goal is to try and get the right guys, and I'm going to use quotes on that, to shoot threes, like Frank <laughs> Kaminsky in this game would be the guy that they left open. But they found ways to find, I posted a clip of getting Cam Johnson open in the corner by screening uh, Bobby Portis as he was leaking out into the paint when, McK- when uh, Devin Booker was attacking. That was a really interesting thing that they did, but they also found different ways to switch and not to switch on specific guys that I thought was specific to the Bucks, You add those things. Those are specific to just playing this one team. There's not been a lot of things that I've noticed that are game, game plans specific to one team. Today, I did see that. And you add that to an eight-man rotation, I think that's that's probably some playoff things. What do you think? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, like he said, it was basically an eight-man rotation. Langston Galloway only played six minutes. He, yeah. He's my guy. I love, I love Langston Galloway, but... He came in for six minutes. He was a minus 10, didn't really do anything. So it was effectively an eight-man rotation tonight, and I think a good preview for the playoffs. Encouraging in the sense that this team still isn't at full strength. You don't have Sarge. You don't have Payne. Um, and even beyond those guys, you have other guys that you know can contribute mm-hmm. who were buried on the bench and didn't even play tonight. We know that Abdel Nader can can play yeah, uh, and, and can play serious minutes if he has to in a game. Same with Javon Carter, even though he hasn't been at his best this season. So to see them go out there with, with just eight core guys, by the way, a good redemption story in that sense for Etuan Moore, I think, too, yeah. who had his best game of the season, the, the last game uh, against Cleveland, and then came out, you know, I mean, he wasn't exceptional tonight, but another 19 minutes. It's very hard to crack a consistent spot in this rotation right now. So for Etwan to go where he went from from being kind of yeah. called out by Suns fans as, as maybe the worst player in the roster just a couple of weeks ago to now being a guy who's really earned Monty's trust. Out of position, too. And yeah, and, and for the most part, exactly, playing point guard rather than rather than shooting guard. It's it's really impressive. Um, I have to ask, because I can't see the YouTube chat here. Mm-hmm. Um and and I you know, I I don't want it to become like a dominant discussion, but are people asking about the officiating? Because I think <laughs> not yet, not uh, really. I, 
I mean, it's an interesting game to talk about it, man. It's. Do you have thoughts? I think that, that you want to get off. I honestly think that we fouled Giannis a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I truthfully, I, we fouled him a lot. I'm not. I think there are games where I get angry at the refs. the The Cavs game almost sent me off the deep end in a lot of ways. And there was one call that I was, you know, focusing on the Frank Kaminsky call, and very odd that they didn't let the Suns challenge it due to how quickly they gave the ball to Giannis at the free throw line. I imagine that scenario doesn't happen a lot with the Suns, like the going the other way around. But I I would say that the majority of Giannis's free throws were valid because um, he's impossible to guard, and the fact that you can find a way to win with those kinds of odds stacked against you, I think a lot of credit can go to Mikael Bridges here. I talked about it before the game. Chris Middleton is very good, and Mikael Bridges. It seems like Mikael Bridges is good at holding some of the most efficient scores to basically however many points uh, to to whatever shots they took. I think he had 18 points on 17 shots. I feel like those numbers are always relatively similar from Mikhail. You know, they find find ways to stop. By the way, Cody Hunt, our friend Cody Hunt, who uh, has done work with us on this podcast, just said Dork Nowitzki, which I assume is a nickname for Frank Kaminsky, which I love. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, and our friend Durag Hoops, another friend of the pod, said, "Does the for, I'm offended by this question. Durag, first of all. Does the Durag puts out, puts out good Suns content on YouTube, by the way. Yes. Go, go give his channel a follow. Does the emergence of Frank and his chemistry with third banana McHale make Dario expendable? I'm going to say no to that. Yeah, it's well, it's an interesting question though, right? Because Dario makes like $9 million and that's a tradable contract. Exactly. It's (laughs) I love Dario. I love Dario Sarge. He's a great piece. And I still think he's the best piece off the Suns bench when fully healthy. But if you want to make a trade at the deadline, just theoretically, if you want to play the if game, uh, the only way you're going to do it, you could get a cheap piece in the three to five million range by being willing to like trade, you know, Javon Carter or Jalen Smith, or you could get a veteran piece. Like if you wanted George Hill really badly, you have to swap either Jay Crowder's contract or Dario right. Sarge, right. right? And until now, that hasn't really made sense. I still don't really think it makes sense. I like Dario. He played well in the bubble. I think, you know, he's only played seven games this season. You should give this team time, uh, time to mesh. But I don't know, Mike, I mean, maybe if the right veteran hits the market, you could think about it. If it's the right guy in that kind of 10 to $12 million range and Frank Kaminsky is playing this well and there's a more pressing need, I mean, I don't know, say Cameron Payne regresses or something and you feel like you really need a backup point guard for the playoffs. Yeah, it's something you could think about. Yeah, and you know, there are some questions about what happens when campaign is healthy again now that more has played so well. And I, I actually think there's a chance, and Sam, you're not going to like this, I think there's a chance that he eats more into Langston Galloway's minutes than Etuan Moore's minutes. I'm not really confident in that because maybe they're going to continue to try it and stagger. But I think if they both play well, if Moore and Payne play well, then maybe you don't have to stagger as much. And that actually uh, goes to another question we're getting. Do you think this is from Lance Simpson? Thanks again, everyone watching and asking his questions. Lance Simpson says, do you think we are finally seeing Book and CP3 learning how to coexist or do you think there will still be some growing pains? What do you think? Uh, yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I would lean towards yes. I, I mean, it's hard to explain, right? Because I feel like part of it is just Chris Paul is making shots that he didn't make three weeks ago. Um, his mid-range has been absolutely automatic but but i do also think there is an element of of we're learning to to see them coexist yeah yeah i think there is i i think they they there seems to be an effort to get 
Devin Booker going in the first quarter, which it has not necessarily even been the case for Devin Booker. Even like the last two seasons, there has been a concerted effort in the past to try to get the rest of the team going. But finding ways to get Devin Booker going early in the game is really great for this team because Chris Paul tends to pick it up as the game goes along already. So if you can find a way to get Devin Booker going early in this game, I think that'll make a big difference towards it working with both of them on the court. Uh, Let's see. Let me get another question here. Someone saying Middleton missing those two free throws was huge. Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, they made every free throw before that, it seems like. That that last shot should have gone to Middleton, right? I mean... I, I guess you could credit Aiton for walling up Giannis in the first place because Giannis has the space to get to the rim in three seconds. But if it was going to be a jumper anyway, as soon as it went up, yeah, I felt a, I felt pretty good. I, I'll be honest. That's the problem with Giannis right there. It's exactly that's the only that. problem. It's, it's the only thing. And 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 no knocks on Giannis because no, he's so good, guys. The Bucks are. You know, I think some people have misunderstandings the Bucks are 16 and 9 now they were 16 and 8 coming into this game they have the most efficient offense of all time and the best net rating in the NBA their 16 and 8 record has been and and it happened to them again tonight solely because they blow teams out by 30 and then they lose by one (laughs) so I guess they're going to keep doing that this this season and maybe not coast to quite the same regular season record they've had in the past yeah but yeah that jump shot's the only thing that's that's keeping that guy back from being like go potential yeah, I wonder if they were hoping for some foul. Like, you know, it's free throws the whole game for him. And by the way, he made yeah. a lot of them. So I wonder if they were trying to play for a foul there a little bit. You just, with the way, and and this is the only thing I wanted to say on officiating before, it's not that the the foul stats were uh, lopsided. It's, it's not that I thought, you know, CP3, I thought, and Booker as well, were both very clever in their own right at getting ticky-tack fouls. It's more so just my frustration. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the Tiki Tech fouls, I think this was a great game. It was prime time. It was on ESPN. Maybe the Suns, hey, maybe the Suns got a lot of new fans tonight for all we know. I mean, they're getting so many national TV games today. People, I'm not in Phoenix, I'm not local, but I'd like to think that maybe the city is waking up to the idea that this is actually a really good team. Um, But that being said, you know, I don't think the officials were were biased against Phoenix. I more so just think it's a bad viewership experience for the viewers when you call so many fouls. and, And it makes it impossible to guard a guy like Giannis as well. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. 
which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, in in a, in a sense, if DeAndre Ayton can find a way to attack the way Giannis does, and I know that's like asking that's like asking a player to just just score like Michael Jordan, but uh, if you can find a way to get that kind of contact, then that's a good sign for the Suns too, because DeAndre Ayton is a good free throw shooter, and it's a good thing when big men are drawing fouls too, because I think there's a lot of cases where it seems like it's guards commonly or guys who dribble a lot. Which Giannis does, but guys who, you know, like Luca Bates fouls 35 feet away from the basket, which, by the way, Chris Paul's good at too, so I'm not going to complain yep. too much about that. Uh, but it's just something that does happen. Uh, somebody said, uh, actually, his name is Lil Lil PP, uh, said, everything Monty has done that we've complained about has paid off for the Suns. Kaminsky starting, Nader playing, etc. I mean, yeah, I, this is a, it's a good point. Do we need to give Monty more credit for what's going on right now? Well, I think Monty has all along, I talked about this in the last episode, he's instituted a system that works and Frank, the Frank move in particular is just him playing to a system. I don't think that was ever a surprise that he would want a guy who is known as such a good playmaker to help run the system. Um, one, one thing is, I mean, it's a moot point tonight, you know, Damian Jones doesn't need minutes when you could be playing Jalen Smith. I would still probably rather free Jalen Smith. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I can't think of many decisions that I've really disagreed with Monty with this year. He's been great. It's just, you know, the, the only thing I would caution people about is it is the Mike Budenholzer issue, which is you can institute a great system and coast to a great regular season record. And and keep in mind, the Suns don't have the same expectations of the Bucks going into the playoffs, right? But it's just the playoffs is a different beast. Seven game series are hard and you have to make adjustments um, throughout series. So I think the Suns have a great system and, and I think it's a system that works. The adjustments come playoff time. I really can't tell you guys how Monty is going to thrive in that environment or if he's going to yeah. thrive until we actually see it. And I think that's going to be the most interesting storyline when the Suns do make the playoffs. And I'm, I'm feeling increasingly confident that that's a, that's a when, not an if. When the Suns do make the playoffs this year, uh, that's what we'll be watching out of Monty Williams is, yeah, the system is great. 0.5 works. Can you make adjustments game in and game out? Yeah, you know, I think it helps that your star player is Chris Paul. Like one of your main stars is Chris Paul. You know, as as, as much as people like to disparage Chris Paul's playoff records, it, you know, Chris Paul being able to adjust is a little different than Giannis being able to adjust because Giannis is just not good at shooting jump shots, especially off the dribble. And, you know, that hurts. That hurts them a lot. I think, you know, of course, Budenholz will, Budenholzer deserves some blame, uh, but Giannis does too. So it's a, I think it's a little different of a scenario. It helps when you like the best case for the Bucks is that Chris Middleton is their best player at some point. And I know that's we also, unrealistic, but that's a best case can, for them. I know the Suns are are a little empty-handed too, but can we also just remember the Bucks were missing Drew Holiday yeah, tonight? Like right. that team is so stacked. That team is so stacked. They yeah. could be even better at, at at full strength. They're they're really really good. I have no idea who's going to come out of the East honestly. Somebody asked, is Booker so surprised about actually drawing fouls that he can't hit two consecutive free throws? <laughs> Taylor McCoy. I don't know what that is, man. You'd think 20 games in, it would start to normalize, right? And 80, yeah. what's what's he at? He's like I'll look it up in a second. He's at like yeah. 82, 83% yeah. or something like that. But 
he was at 90 plus last year or close to it. Let's just check real quick. Yeah, he dropped from 92 to 82 and a half. Yeah. This season it's just weird. It's it's not a catastrophic uh drop or anything. It's not losing the Suns games, but yeah. but it's inexplicable. Well, I mean, a very untalked about fact is that Devin Booker had the greatest high volume free throw shooting season last season of all time as far as players who shot as many free throws as him he shot the highest free throw percentage. So it's one of the greatest free throw shooting seasons of all time. So maybe a little bit of coming back down to earth, but I also think that he's going to do a little bit better as the season progresses, just like the rest of his stats. I mean, he had 30 points tonight. Still, I think his assists might stay relatively low compared to previously. We're gonna, also, we're the to... Suns are they're still shooting 83.3% from the line as a team. Very Even good. with Booker <laughs> yeah. going down, they were already the best all-time last year at 834 can we talk so, about how weird it is to wake up in the morning and ESPN has put out three different versions <laughs> of a Devin Booker story? Devin Booker yeah. is getting legitimate press. He got his flowers today. And and look, I think Suns fans, the type of people who listen to this podcast, first of all, it's like, here's an introduction to Devin Booker if you haven't paid any attention for the past five years. Right. So, to Suns fans, in a sense, the 70-point game, and what he did in college and all that stuff is old news to us. So, it, it, but you know, I just wasn't going into it basically with that expectation. It just felt very cinematic. Yeah. I thought the video was very well edited. I'll yeah. be honest. I didn't, I didn't get to listen to the podcast. That was the part that I didn't. Yeah. Check it out uh, when you can. It's, it's very cool. And those listening, but yeah. uh, ESPN, the, it, it's called the ESPN daily podcast. You can find it on podcast apps. Uh, Pablo Torre, I believe hosts it. They did a whole episode about Devin Booker with Michael Wilbon. And yeah, it was, uh, it was really just good. validation. It's it's a cool thing for him to do that. And it's also nice that he just started playing a little bit better the last few games. Had another great game tonight. Probably the best player on the floor tonight, although Chris Paul was pretty amazing too. And, and DeAndre Ayton. We didn't even talk about DeAndre Ayton yet. DeAndre Ayton coming into this game, a singular defensive assignment. Still got in foul trouble, but that's what happens. I mean, that's what happens when you guard Giannis. But I thought he was... Not only did DeAndre Ayton do an excellent job defending Giannis, I thought his effort offensively in the paint to start this game was vital for the Suns because there were times where they were struggling. He found ways to get offensive rebounds. He was hitting shots in the paint that were not easy shots for some of those uh, shots that he hit a very important game for him. Let's see someone. Uh, we got a few comments saying that we need to shout out Kendall Jenner. I don't think that we've ever even talked about Kendall Jenner on the podcast. Have we But shout out, shout out Kendall Jenner for what for the free throw uh, curse or <laughs> Because here's the thing. It's not like, you know, it's not like Booker's playing better than last year. The Suns are winning games because they're a better team. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's not, you know, he's not awful or anything. It's just, it's not like Kendall Jenner's made him better. No. Uh, but I do wonder if she was at the games, uh, the last two games. I, She's I'm, probably coming now. She's probably coming to the games. Yeah, maybe she is. Maybe that's why he's playing better. Uh, someone said, the type of people who listen to this podcast are insane people. Mark Seller said that. Is, that. That is facts. I mean, here's the truth. We do a podcast about the Phoenix Suns that we started in a season where they won like 14 games. <laughs> and some of you, some of you longtime people still listen back then. So you're the real crazy fuckheads. The people who are just joining now, and there are a decent amount of people just joining now. We're happy to have all of you now that the Suns are actually a good team. And we, we also understand that every season has its highs and lows. There will be losing streaks where even the diehards do not want to hear a couple of guys talk about the Phoenix Suns for an hour plus a week. But uh, but yeah, some people are, are that insane. We appreciate each and every one of you. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on, let's see, Chris Paul today? I mean, it was just a... Nor are we just sort of getting used to what Chris Paul does? 
where he just goes yep. in there and he takes advantage of drop defenses and finds the right guys on passes. And I mean, he tripped a ref. <laughs> I mean, that first of all, that was that was a funny video, man. But but also, yeah, with drop defenses, the entire thing about drop defenses, often people focus on the pull up three point shooter being the guy who kills the drop defense, the Steph Curry, right. the Damian Lillard. Um, and, and they don't focus so much on the mid range shot because the idea behind a drop defense is you're using everything you've got, all of your resources to protect the rim, and you want to entice players to take the mid range shots because it's the least efficient shot. Chris Paul is the guy who breaks the formula. He is one of the only guys in the league, especially like of the past 10 or 20 years, who actually manipulates those shots, which is exactly what the Bucks wanted to give him, but manipulates it so well to the point of actually using the Bucks' own game against them. And so, you know, the Suns are not a team. The Bucks put all their focus on the rim. The Suns aren't a team that really try to get to the rim all that much anyway. And in this particular matchup, obviously it looked great because the Suns just had great execution and made their shots. It's not always going to be that way. And we've seen this season that it isn't always that way. But yeah, tonight, I mean, Paul was fantastic. And 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 like you said, just manipulating them again and again, getting switches on guys like Brook Lopez and and just yep. dominating him. The same thing we we saw, you know, last week against Porzingis too. Mm-hmm. If if he gets a switch on a big, it's done. And it's automatic. I can't even remember the last time the Suns had a guy who would recognize when the Suns were one foul away from the bonus and then just draw, draw a cheap foul, <laughs> like a legitimately tre- cheap rip-through foul on, you know, Dante DiVincenzo to get to the bonus nine minutes with nine minutes left in a quarter. That is the type of thing that Chris Paul does that can easily go a little bit unnoticed, but that's the kind of veteran savvy and you know dickishness if you if you want to call it something that Chris Paul has that a team yeah. needs to be a winner it's kind of funny cuz like every team kind of has an a hole if you will like the sure. you know, every good team you know uh Dennis Rodman most famous one probably Draymond Green for the Warriors but ours Bruce is Bowen. Chris Paul <laughs> Yeah, well, the Suns have a bunch, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Devin. Uh, the Suns, the bit. Suns got Frank Kaminsky getting under guys' skin now, which is pretty funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Chris Paul, man, yeah, so good. By so the way, good. he's if, an All Star. Please go vote for him for All Star because he absolutely deserves. Well, it. I'm Booker glad you brought too. that up because there's a question here. But uh, anyone who has any questions, feel free to type them in the chat. We'll try to get to as many as we can. We're probably going to be on for a few more minutes. Uh, so if you have any questions, get them in now. Somebody asked who's more deserving of an all-star spot, Chris Paul or Devin Booker. I think that we think both it's, probably get, agree it's Chris Paul at this point. If there's only one spot for them, I'm giving it to Chris Paul. Yeah, but I think that it's probably going to be pretty even by the time the all-star game uh, actually comes. So, you know, that's the type of thing. Somebody's referencing Kellen Olsen's tweet on a Devin Booker quote. What is that? All right, here I'm going on Twitter live on this podcast to try and see what Kellen Olsen said about Devin Booker. Let's Bang. see. <laughs> Devin Booker's thoughts. Oh my God. <laughs> We're in good shape. Oh Devin my Booker's goodness. thoughts when he saw Giannis Antetokounmpo Woo. pulling up from the mid-range area for the potential game winner. We're in good shape. Yep. Dear God, that man is, he's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we look, thought the I same just, thing. I just like the fact that Devin can dish it out and can also take it because when you do that, you open yourself up to to some spiciness coming your way the next time you blow a game. But as long as he can handle it, and I know he can, I love it. I love the chippiness. And and again, I encourage you to go and, and read Wilbon's article. It talks about that too, about yeah. just how intense Devin is about the guys who wear his colors. And, and there's no camaraderie 
obviously he has a mutual respect for, for the opponents he faces, but there's no camaraderie between him and those players when he goes out there and plays. He's got that old school mentality. And I, I think it's that among a lot of other factors that just make him and CP3 respect each other so much. Even if we haven't necessarily seen statistically it work the way we want it to uh, until like, you know, the past couple games or whatever. Yeah. Um, those guys, they, they trust each other and they, they have faith in each other to figure it out over 10 or 20 or 30 games. They're not going to give up on this thing and, and they know they can keep building on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of funny, by the way, but vote for both of them <laughs> before yeah. I forget yeah. to say that, uh, vote for both Chris Paul, uh, and Devin Booker. I think they both deserve it. And, and you know, at this point vote for Mikhail Bridges and Deandre Ayton too, because there's been a lot of really good. Uh, Suns players, those are the main four guys, I think, at this point. Jay Crowder's been really good, too. You know, not all-star worthy, but, you know, <laughs> guys guys need to be stars in their roles. You know, uh, Dan Favali was talking about that uh, on the uh, p- podcast that we had him on. And uh, guys need to be stars in their roles, and those guys have been stars in their roles uh, as well. Let's see. Do you see the Suns as a top four seed in the West, or do you think they'll fall back down to the lower seeds? Uh, before the season, I predicted they could be as high as the third seed, and I think that my general range is like third to fifth. That's where I thought the Suns would be. I think that's that's pretty confident. I didn't see the things shaking out that the way that they are currently shaking out because there's some weird things happening. But I think they're going to do pretty well for the rest of the season. I think the records are going to be weird because of COVID. So certain things are going to happen that you necessarily wouldn't have expected to happen. Where do you think they're going to fall? Or where, where would you say at this point, Sam? Uh, I I was right there with you. I thought they were going to finish at the highest around the third seed. I think the LA team's got the top two. Well, actually, yeah, we, Utah, I, I guess Utah has been really good. Here's the thing. I don't necessarily think the Suns are going to finish in the top four. I think they absolutely could. I, I'm just not guaranteeing it. But I think they're a top four most dangerous playoff team. And that's what matters. Like, I think we're at the point where the Suns could finish fifth or sixth in the standings, but they're going up against a team like Utah or, dare I say, like even Denver, maybe, in the first round. And as long, I know it's I know it's recency bias to say this after, like, literally the first game we got of both Chris Paul and Devin Booker scoring, you know, 30-plus. Mm-hmm. But when you get a game like this, you get a glimpse of what the Suns have that other teams, except for the LA teams, because the LA teams are really good, but other teams just don't have that. They don't have that shot making ability they don't have that clutch shot making ability that mid-range shot making ability in particular i mean it's it's a hard it's a hard bargain to say they're going to beat you know denver in a series or whatever but they could push anyone i i really i really think they could they could finish fifth or sixth and push anyone and i think they're equally likely just you know to reflect the question a little bit more directly i think they're equally likely at this point of finishing like in the fourth seed as they are of slipping to to six or seven yeah that's that's probably a good way to put that. And I think we're probably going to end it here. I just want to say thank you to everyone that's watching on our YouTube channel and asking us questions live. Uh, we're going to do these every once in a while, midweek episodes to try and answer some questions. This is our new way of doing mailbags, I guess, is the way to do it. We like to have direct interaction with people who listen to this podcast. Once again, if you're listening on the podcast feed, check out our YouTube channel. Just search The Timeline Suns. You'll find us there. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to follow our podcast. Subscribe. uh, Give us a good iTunes rating, that kind of thing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back with another episode this weekend.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.